0: This is Coda Radio, episode 238 for January 5th, 2017. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, sick or not, pneumonia or not, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike.
1: Children are disease vectors.
0: No one tells you this. Like they're going to tell you, oh, it's going to be challenging. Oh, the teenage years, the terrible twos, the terrible threes, whatever. They don't tell you that these things are walking germ magnets. Patient zero. And if you send them to daycare or school, it gets ten times worse. It gets ten times worse. So I love my kids. In fact, today is my uh, my little girl Abby's birthday. Happy birthday, Abby. So I love my kids. Happy I'll tell birthday, you, Abby. It's worth it every every time, except for I happen to be in a profession where uh, when I start coughing and losing my voice, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's is a pain in the butt. But, Mr. Dominic, uh, I guess you actually uh, – you were pretty bad on Monday. So we decided not to do the show because you were like probably – I don't know. Just a few few hours out of bed, max on Monday. <laughs> you must be pretty sick if you went to the doctor recently and they diagnosed you with pneumonia.
1: Yeah, I went this morning. I thought, oh, it's a cold. I <laughs> yeah. just lost my voice. I'll be fine. And I did not sleep at all last night. So I did. Yeah. Should have a fun show.
0: Yeah. Oh my. You, you and I both. We like.
1: went to the doctor, and she's like, "Yeah, you uh, you you have pneumonia." Oh. Wow.
0: I'm impressed because you still had time to write down your three tech wishes for
1: 2017. I had to- lots of time when you were up all night coughing, <laughs> man.
0: Yeah, you can't really do anything else, right? Uh, yeah, I hear that. So I got it right here in my hot little hands. Michael Dominic's three tech wishes. It is that time of year, isn't it?
1: It is. It's time to make a wish.
0: So I like this one because it's a, it's one that we, we kind of have forgotten over the years. But this first one is Google account management dealing with freaking multiple google accounts and when you have like a business account and a personal account it is a constant pain
1: yeah so, it's it's made more painful too by uh, you know the google home doesn't have a lot and google assistant yeah yeah it's you know it's been a it's been a long time coming and it's kind of weird that they haven't done this yet but what i propose in that blog piece is some sort of like vanity account system where instead of, you know, client co giving you an email address, you know, Chris at clientco.com, they could just add a vanity email that just forwards to yours. But any email sent to from your email that was originally re- replying to an email from the client co email hmm. would actually just say, you know, Chris at client co, not hmm. Chris at Jupyter Broadcasting. Now that doesn't exist. I would like that to exist. Uh-huh. But uh, so far, no. If you have multiple accounts, you're kind of in hell.
0: Now, I don't understand this next one. Reactive programming hype. You want more hype?
1: No, I want less. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> Sounds like you're wishing for more hype. No. Yeah, A lot I'm has been made of, of reactive programming in 2016. There's definitely some fire to the smoke, but things are getting way too hyped. Uh-oh, is it starting to set off red lights for you? Back off. Back off. It's, the fire is getting hot.
1: Well, it's, it's getting the... You know the uh, solution to every problem, kind of thing. Mm, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: How can I put this? I mean, I, I'm reading a lot of like RFPs, a lot of, uh, you know, I, I'll be I'll be honest, like just listening to other podcasts and reading blogs. React solving problems I didn't have, right? <laughs> a- and and the main problem you're trying to solve is like, oh, bad being sloppy ends up with sloppy code, but like reactive programming doesn't fix that for you. And it's not super appropriate for every problem. But, you know, it's one of those over-application things. I mean, we saw this a lot, too, with, um, you know, when, like, Scala was getting big a couple years ago in functional programming. Yeah. People were trying to make everything functional. And, you know, Reactive is kind of a uh, reactive programming, not necessarily React.js, right? So there's two different things here, are going down that same path. Buzzword bingo, baby.
0: Hey, I like it. So now let's talk Docker. Uh, How do you think Docker is going to shape out in 2017, and what would you like to see?
1: You know, I'm a little concerned about Docker. Um, Yeah. I use Docker a lot in production, and I use it for what its original use case was, you know, two and a half years ago when they were on the show, when they were just like a little project uh, to deploy web applications. But it seems like they're going in like eight different directions with all this, you know, enterprise, big data. Like they're trying to just really, I don't know, almost like SEO optimize their way to glory. I'm, I'm, I'm half <laughs> kidding on that. But
0: That's a good one. Like, you know, if yeah, if there's, yeah.
1: yeah if, if there's a trend and it's server side, Docker is on it, which kind of worries me, right? it, it, it I feel like they need to focus up a little bit on their core confidence. You
0: know, really, it feels like to me that software distribution, if you just focused in on that universal software distribution across Windows, Linux, and macOS, and when I say Linux, I mean all the Linuxes that have a modern kernel, and when I say macOS, I mean like the last two or three versions, and when I say Windows, you know, a couple different server versions, like, it's a wide range, like, you could just... You could just own that. Now, what they want to do instead, though, is they want to solve the other problem that Docker brings along with it, and that's management, especially when you start spinning up lots of containers. And I, I've always felt like what would have been great and what was sort of happening kind of early in Docker's life, let, let the third-party VAR market solve the management problem. And the reason I say that is I went to ContainerCon 2015 and uh, LinuxCon 2016 and... Containerization was very, 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 very big there, obviously at ContainerCon. And the whole ecosystem was around managing containers. Assuming that Docker was going to provide the core technology and then there would be an entire layer of industry, your flavor of choice to manage Docker containers, that still exists. But really it's, it exists in spite of the fact that Docker is consuming all of that functionality in the project itself, which requires way different sets of focuses. And then, of course, they're trying to appeal to different sets of enterprise customers instead of just focusing on a fundamental problem that's plagued us for the last 30 years and that is reliably and predictably distributing software. That's what developers want to. Pre- I want to be able to build it here and know it's going to run exactly the same environment, exactly the same way there.
1: Yeah, and and this might be a little too, uh, uh, curmudgeonly of me, but you know, I don't like that Docker now goes and competes with its own vendors, right? Exactly. One of, one of the original opportunities I saw with Docker was to be able to then sell people management services on top of it, right? On a monthly or quarterly Yeah, exactly. Retainer. Yes, absolutely. But really, what enterprise in their right mind would buy them from a small company when you could just you know, have the small company do your development, do it in Docker, and then have Docker do that for you?
0: Also, think about onboarding new software if you already have a right. big Docker con- container environment. You have the contractors create the software in a Docker container, and then it's easy to deploy in your environment. There are policies and practices you need to put in place to keep those container environments secure and patched. But there's space for other vendors or for IT shops to roll their own with the tools. So that's – it's just not – I think the problem with Docker is is that uh, it's that it was one of those companies when when there really was a – so something that kind of happened in 2016 that you've kind of – you kind of think talked about uh, two weeks ago, but I I don't remember, where you said how uh, Silicon Valley successfully for the most part deflated their own bubble – uh, it was like with all the yes. VC funding, it was building and building. Yes. And, right, Docker got on that. Docker was funded during that during the real ramp up, right during the hockey stick portion of oh, that bubble. Yeah. And so Docker has all of these these constraints placed on them. And I maybe instead of constraints, I should say expectations. They have all these expectations placed on them by their investors, and it's a lot. Well, of it's money. not just
1: that. Now they have a lot of competition and partners too, too. Partners too. but they're not the only game in town anymore. They are the Kleenex to containerization. Um, I still think they're usually the best choice for most things, that at least that I do, right? Deploying web applications.
0: Yeah, and it's it's helpful that it's a brand name that people might recognize when you're talking about using it.
1: It's easy to go on a Skype call and talk about Docker, right? It's really hard for me to talk about containerization in the abstract because, you know, the IT manager wants to buy Docker, basically. Um, So where do they go, Chris? I mean, see... This is, I I feel like the Docker one is probably the one I'm least likely to get on that list, Mm -hmm. right? Because the React hype is going to burn itself out eventually. Um, the The Google account management—if someone at Google hasn't noticed this problem yet—I will eat my hat. But Docker, Docker needs to, like as you were saying, justify those valuations. Yeah, you know, Their investors need to come out, you know, without taking a haircut. So how? What, what, do you, what do you where's the growth for them?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really see them. I don't really see them so much as correcting the the uh, direction of the ship so much as onboarding more staff to be able to try to satiate all of the different markets they've now entered.
1: That's what I was thinking that they just get a big sales operation.
0: Yeah, so and, and, and it's that's that's questionable what direction that'll go. That's going to come down to the people that are making decisions and running things. Well, that's just that we'll have to wait
1: and see. Well, you know who did that as well that I didn't mention in this post? GitHub. Uh-huh, yeah. Remember, they had that big push in 2016 to the enterprise. Mm-hmm. And how did they do? They just hired a big old enterprise sales force.
0: Yeah, didn't um, they all didn't get I thought I just read too like last week, GitHub layoffs or something like there was some sort of announcement yeah, they, though.
1: They they laid off a bunch of them too. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Okay, December eighth. GitHub yeah. cut sales staff. So they uh, hmm.
1: you know, in a in a lot of ways.
0: They did an overhaul no, in February and then they just yeah. cut staff in December eighth. Sorry, go ahead.
1: You know, in a lot of ways I feel like the GitHub Docker situation is is kind of the same core problem, though obviously very different technologies. Mm-hmm. Where they have this great open you know, open source platform, open source tooling that developers love and techies love. But then they have to, like, make money. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason, I, I, I'm i not, you know, the best enterprise sales guy, so I don't know. But for whatever reason, they both seem to really be struggling. I, I would actually say GitHub more than Docker, probably. In making that transition to profitability, without kind of screwing over their customers, though to GitHub's credit, the pricing restructuring they did on organization accounts and individual accounts to be more like Bitbucket was a great plan because paying per repo is just stupid. I mean, that's just why would you do that? I'm sorry, but yeah, oh gosh, I oh was that
0: in 2016 when they made that change?
1: It was this year, yeah, 20 but well, last year rather. Yeah, wow.
0: I did not realize that that's what well, I ago.
1: You know, if we covered GitHub more closely, there is an entire kind of like story arc of GitHub in 2016, right? In the end of 2015 beginning of 2016. You know, they were really like balls out, they wanted to go enterprise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you I listened to a bunch of .net podcasts which I may have to confess something to you shortly. Uh-oh. Oh no. Uh, we, oh boy. That you know, they were sending guys out to, I think it was like .NET Rocks and a bunch of those kind of places, really saying, hey, GitHub works in the enterprise too, which it does. I've done it. I used to sell something for it. Um, but I, I, oh, I will, I'll i have to find it for the show notes. I think it was like Bloomberg had it. There was some sort of leaked thing or, or anonymous source where there's enterprise sales numbers just did not hit expectations. Hmm. Um, and that makes sense, right? Because you know, someone in the chat mentioned GitLab. Yeah, that's GitLab's awesome.
0: Right. You know, are just I, the, I, I use
1: Enterprise. I prefer Bitbucket. I mean, I prefer GitHub to Bitbucket. But since I love Jira, in fact, I think I'm in love with Jira. I'm having a uh, sexual relationship with Jira, Chris. Oh,
0: interesting. That sounds um, fulfilling.
1: <laughs> well, the problem with Jira is, you know, everything's a high priority ticket for Jira. Uh, that um, gets really, annoying that after a while. it gets very annoying. But that integration, where GitHub, they've been adding those kind of project management functionalities uh, over this year, but they just didn't make the sales, according to I think it is Bloomberg.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah, look at that. So here's the question: Do you suppose that this is just a forget for GitHub? GitHub. I try not to say GitLab, for GitHub, do you suppose this is now been corrected? That they're ship-shape, good to sail, five by five, ready to broadcast, and uh, 2017 is a good year? Or do you go the way the chat room goes and think it's an indication of a downturn and that they're going to be on a slide for a bit? Not saying it's the end well, of the world. I
1: think, I, I think both of them are going to be fine, right? Nobody's, you know, unfortunately, I don't know what the numbers on their valuations are because I didn't do that research. Hmm. Um, The biggest threat to either of them, in my opinion, again, I'm not close to the situation at all, would be that they can't hit investor expectations.
0: Yep, I agree. That would be my assessment too. So uh, we have a link to Mr. Dominic's post where he goes into more deets and on his blog, and you can find that in our show notes over at the Cord Radio program. Hey, Mike, before we go on, I wanted to mention uh, something really cool that's being put on by the Linux Academy folks. So the people behind it are really great and they wanted us to talk about scaleyourcode.com where you can learn from successful developers and uh, engineers that have built huge infrastructures like uh, Jeff Atwood who co-founded Stack Exchange. <laughs> he's uh, he's one of the folks that they interview. You can see how experts run their platforms and get inside look, looks at companies and how they grow their infrastructure and they have solved some of their more difficult scaling problems. So this is something I think that could be really fascinating if it's not just maybe uh, also – the perfect opportunity to get kind of a podcast like style interview. They have videos online you can check out, so I think it'd be perfect for our audience. Check it out at scaleyourcode.com. And I think this is a great chance to really get directly from the folks. I, uh, I'm over on their slash uh, interviews page, and uh, they have uh, building APIs, the cloud and elements way, JavaScript and its role in artificial intelligence, AR and VR. Heyo! 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 Building Data Analytics Engine on AWS. Now, hold on. I want to know more about the AR one. So here's, so you go into the page here, uh, and they have a little bit about the person they interview here, which I think is really nice. So you just recap who this person is with a picture of them. Then you give you a description of the talk, and then uh, there it is embedded down below. So check it out. Go to scaleyourcode.com. Learn from renowned engineers And get a little insight into their company cultures as well as experts from Google, Etsy, Heroku, Shopify, uh, Docker as well, speaking of Docker. So (laughs) lots of really interesting people. Uh, And Jeremy Edgeberg, who was the chief architect at Reddit and also the founding member of Netflix's first site reliability engineering team over there. ScaleYourCode.com. Being run by the folks at Linux Academy, so you know it's got a really great team behind it. ScaleYourCode.com. Go there and check it out. It's something new, and it looks like they've put a ton of work into it with some incredible resources and interviews. ScaleYourCode.com, and thanks to Scale Your Code for sponsoring Coder Radio Program. All right, Mr. Dominic. <laughs> I thought this was a great title because I've experienced this from my end of the industry where – I, I I feel like I see some of the biggest, disastrous things created by folks that I know to be extremely intelligent, rational, sane people. And so when this article got posted in the show notes, how terrible code gets written by perfectly sane people. <laughs> when I found out I would be working on porting an old Python code base to Node, I was slightly excited. These kinds of projects always give you more creative freedom than the ordinary code maintenance gig. And something about the challenge of rewriting other people's code – Made it fun as hell. Well, now, did, what did you grok from this? Did you take something away from this that you wanted to share with the class? I thought it was interesting to have a I little did. discussion here about bad habits, too, but I, that was what so, I got. So
1: so much away. I mean, there was a, a vigorous discussion about this article, too.
0: Oh, really? I didn't – I totally missed it. I Probably the holidays. No. And,
1: I mean, I had a vigorous discussion oh. with a developer oh, okay. sitting next to me. So I read this all as a function of resources, Right. Okay. My initial reading, which which I think is wrong and, and not detailed enough, uh, which was his criticism, is that basically if the expectations are set too high, or the budget's too low, or God forbid the project is a fixed bid. By the way, Chris, New are no fixed bids in twenty seventeen. I stopped him about halfway through twenty sixteen. Best thing I ever did. Uh, we can talk about that later if you want. Hallelujah. It um, you know, it sets you up for failure, right? And not just a fixed bid, but an estimate that's too low and sending an and come on how listeners know the sales guy goes out closes a contract sets the expectation says what he needs to say to get the sale and he sold them a rocket ship for like a dollar fifty and now your manager's trying to get you to hit that budget <laughs> yeah. obviously i'm exaggerating here yeah
0: i get what you mean though
1: that that is a thing i got from it the other thing i got which i and i'll pass it to you after this was there's a passage in there about talent and uh, hiring good people versus bad people. And at first, I didn't really like it because it read to me as that whole you know 10x developer thing again. But I think there is a point in utilizing people to the best of their unique talents in a way that makes sense. Let me give you, because I know that was convoluted. There are lots of front-end web developers who are awesome at design. So maybe it's good to give them work that's a lot like doing front-end design implementation, right? Um, there are lots of back-end developers who are really, really good with you know, algorithms and efficiency and networking and all that stuff, but couldn't design their way out of a paperback. <laughs> yeah. There are also a bunch of generalists, which is, I think, where I fall in, who are kind of okay at lots of things, but not awesome at design, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> come on, man. Design's hard. I mean, design's, design's hard. Design's
1: hard, right. So, like, if, if you had me on the team, like, yeah, you know, why don't you do, like, the client-server integration, and, you know, we'll have the design guy do design. What I've seen a lot of teams, especially with the whole full-stack developer thing, is we'll just throw them to the wolves. We have one Rails developer. He does the whole thing. Great. Right. Yeah, and right. you wonder, wow, why is this guy's, you know, and it could be either way, right? Why are the active records queries so inefficient, or why is the design look like a paperback?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, well, that would be my fault if it's a design one. Yeah. yeah well, then so, you, know, you know, there was uh, there was one aspect. Uh, it's, it's a pretty good pose, It's pretty long. And so I just figured people could read it. But there was one thing that resonated really strongly with me. And when I was dealing with it at the time in my career, I didn't I couldn't really vocalize it. Now that I've run my own business for a while, I think I if I was going to work for somebody else, this would be something that I would probably Take issue with and he, he he quantifies it as bad habits and I think that's an interesting way to put it. I don't know if – I don't think I thought of it in terms of habits in the past but what he says here and I'll, I'll just read a little bit uh, from the uh, post here. He says uh, – um, mm, mm, I was scrolling down. Excuse, uh, these, are some, uh, these are some bad habits that even experienced teams can get into which will severely affect your end product. And more than any static code checker or developed methodology could rescue it from. So here's the first one that really resonated with me and you kind of touched on this and I want to just expand a little bit. Giving – and this is in terms of your own team. Giving excessive importance to estimates. Not the client but your own team. See, this is something that I have really experienced where we obsessed over the estimate, obsessed over it, got all the different quotes from the different hardware vendors, agonized over the hours, tried to figure out where we could pad this or that, obsessed over the estimate to the point where we lost focus on the end goal. And what the goal really was was a great estimate at times. And it really gritted against me when I worked there because I felt like, why why can't we find a balance here? And so that's one thing I just – What happens is it's a cultural thing. So when we brought in new people, we would indoctrinate them into the culture of the estimate. And it would become, you know, sit with us as we do estimates for a while. So you can learn from us. You can protege our estimate process for these next three months. And you can learn how to do masterful estimates. And it was just grueling. Uh, and especially because I, I'd had some of my most successful uh, successful clients were ones where the estimates were really just sort of quick things that were loose, and we, we had clear communication on what what the expectations were and how things could change. Um, there's a bunch of other good points in here, but the other one that I thought was kind of interesting and worth pointing out, I'll just mention it quickly: focusing on poor metrics such as issues closed or commits per day. <laughs> Always gets me, yeah that, that one, especially issues per day, really, really gets me. Um, and then the, and then this is the other one that I think is difficult because it's rude to talk about, it's uncomfortable, and it's sort of a hard reality. Good processes can't fix bad people. Talent makes up for any other inefficiency in your team. That's the entire point of favoring smart work over hard work. So much this. So much this, so many times. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I have, I have witnessed the the process, the training, all of this will fix, and it it had never worked out. There is, there is. If you are a small team, if you are a tight group, making sure that everyone on the team is really talented at their particular aspect of the job is exceedingly important. It is the make it or break it difference between being like, a successful company.
1: It's not just company. raw raw talent though, right? It's making sure they're in a state. Uh, mentally, you know, with the, within the organization, project-wise, that they could actually be successful, right? You could have, you know, we we could probably get Linus Torvalds, put him in a room with some, you know, C code, and if the code's a mess or if the work area is distracting and crappy um, or if, like, the project manager is, like, you know, pounding him on Slack, yeah, being like, sure. yo, when's the last time you pushed? Yo, what's up? Right. The best developer will fail. Yeah, for right? sure.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. I, I So that's that's why those resonated with me. All right. Um, I think we can probably leave the rest of the post for folks to read um, at home because um, it's kind of long and it's kind of great and it's worth reading. But those are a couple points that got us fired up and we will have a link to it in the show notes. And it was from uh, Christian M. McAbring. That's a good one. I don't know. But the dude has got sunglasses, so I like it. So, Mike, uh, after our conversations recently of the Google Home and uh, the other competition on the market – Over the holiday, I decided to purchase an Echo Dot. In fact, I decided to purchase three Echo Dots.
1: I'm sorry, Chris. I can't let you do that.
0: One for the studio, one for my office, and one for the beard to do some development work on. Uh, And uh, I then proceeded to hook up all of the things in the studio and automate pretty much the entire uh, hardware in the studio and in my office. Wow! Yeah. Yeah, I've made a video. I've made a I made a vlog video about it uh, to just sort of show people how I'm securing it and what I'm doing and what kind of things I can do. And I, I'll try to put that in the show notes if I remember. Um, otherwise, YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. And so, so how is it? I well, me. I think it is. Uh. You know what, Mike? I'll tell you this. Uh, just just from like my first impression, uh, when I left the studio the evening after I'd hooked it all up and got everything automated, it only took me an afternoon to get three dots set up and to get everything, every smart thing all, all, all connected. Um, I missed it when I left. Like I don't normally – like it's been a really long time since I – Got a new piece of technology and missed it when I didn't – when I wasn't around it because it's – once you actually connect it to hardware and things, it's extremely useful. And uh, so being able to like turn off my window fan or turn on or turn off lights or activate the studio – I can even turn off the mixer right now if I, if I issue the right command. It would ruin the audio for the show. But I, I mean it's, I've really got this thing set up and it's really nice and uh it's actually it's actually gotten smarter recently it's much more contextually aware i've gotten 3 4 contextually deep uh you know for example if you want to play around with it you can you can get into it by asking the echo what's the largest state in the united states and then ask the echo what is the population of it or how many people live there something you can say how many people live there not how many people live in Alaska. You can say how many people live there and it will answer you and then you can say things like what is the size comparison of Alaska to Texas. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But you can, Or you can say what is the size of it compared to Texas and it stays with you. For the same thing, you can ask it about Obama and say how old is he? Who is Obama? How old is he? And things like that and uh, if she can follow along. So my understanding was that wasn't always a thing. That, that was something that Google Assistant was better at and that's something that Amazon has – more recently gotten better at. Primarily, though, it's a wide range of products. It's unbelievable once you start looking on Amazon how many things integrate with the Dot or actually just the Echo in general. So I find it to be um, really compelling. I find it to be actually a a really good product. And recently, Amazon announced or LG, I guess, announced that they were going to ship their own speaker with the Echo technology built in. And um, there's some watches that are now shipping with Echo built in. There's lots of little devices that are starting to ship with the
1: uh, services. You know, don't you feel like I'm keeping my 1,000 batting average of picking the wrong platform? (laughs) No, actually. uh, So I want
0: to get there. So by, by the way, here's one other thing that I think is sort of just maybe a current competitive advantage to the Echo series is they now have a whole line of devices. So they have the standard Echo, which is $179. Right. Then they have the Tap, $129, and now they have the Dot for 50 bucks. And the Dot has a, uh, has a headphone out jack, or it can connect to a Bluetooth speaker, so you can connect it to a nice big speaker. I happen to have PC speakers already in the studio, uh, so I just connected the Dot to PC speakers, big, nice PC speakers, and upstairs I have it connected to a uh, surround sound soundbar. So I get I get really great audio out of this tiny little $50 dot. So I think that's another advantage you can get in much cheaper to the uh Echo ecosystem. But I actually wonder if maybe, I, maybe I'm backing the wrong platform. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's some big news because today is CES – well, this week is CES. And today, Google and others um, – in fact, why don't, I, why don't I look it up? Because this is uh, kind of a huge story that's breaking today as we're recording the show. So yeah, Google – OK. I'll, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna clear a little room. I'm gonna I'm gonna reset my palette. I'm gonna mention DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and spin up a rig. Here's what you need to do, though. When you create an account over at digitalocean.com, use our promo code that'll give you a ten dollar credit. That's CoderDigital, One word, lowercase. Just apply it to your account, get a ten dollar credit. You can get started in less than fifty five seconds. And you can spin up a rig that's either I mean Super crazy, powerful, like 200 gigs of RAM or just an itsy-bitsy little one that will run a web application, run your personal systems. I run like SyncThing up and BitTorrent Sync and Vault right now on $5 a month droplets. 512 megs of RAM, 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU and a terabyte of transfer. It's perfect for like these little nodes that I have all over the world. I love it. And then I have a $20 a month system which gives – here, check this out. They have the pricing all on their website. It's $0.03 an hour. It gives me two gigs of RAM, a two-core processor, a 40-gigabyte SSD, and three terabytes of transfer. I have that thing running NextCloud and Minecraft server, Minecraft server. It, it's amazing. Uh, we also use uh, DigitalOcean to run our streaming system. So, our, I, be, I believe those might be on the 15 cents an hour rigs, where we have SATCOM 1 and SATCOM 2, which uh, redistribute our live stream around the world. We're also using DigitalOcean droplets to facilitate our virtual lug that you hear in Linux Unplugged. That runs on a DigitalOcean droplet. Lots of little infrastructure pieces for us. And that's what's so great. The pricing's low enough that you could just spin up a rig for testing and banging around on an application or trying out something that you don't want to build on your local machine. But the infrastructure so solid and so fast with SSDs, 40 gigabit e-connections to each hypervisors, data centers all over the dang world, the best interface, a great API so we can spin these things up as we need. It's also perfect for permanent infrastructure. And we can scale our storage as we need with our highly available block storage, all SSD-backed. And you can get up to 16 terabytes to a droplet. (laughs) DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. That's all one word. You apply it to your account. You get a $10 credit. You support the show. And you can try out that $5 rig I mentioned. Two months. Absolutely free. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. So today, as we are recording this show, Google is announcing that Google Assistant will be coming to Android TV set-top boxes like mine and... Built Everyone in, to, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yes, and built in to um, some TVs. Now they've made these claims in the past, and it's never materialized when it comes to televisions. But something tells me they might be uh, they might be on the right track this time. So they're going to bring Google Assistant to Nvidia Shield, which uh, I already have one of those. So it, it it almost it almost makes sense to kind of wait and see how this goes. Can I maybe see if I can use this to automate things in the RV? See if I can use this to ask questions. Uh and then Nvidia also announced that they'll be shipping an updated Nvidia Shield TV. I think I said I they said for 50 bucks that will have always on listening. Uh so that's, you know,
1: yeah. That's interesting. I you know, I'm actually not sure which of these is going to win. I I think I'm going to have to pick up an Alexa though.
0: Yeah, I would play with it. It's it's yeah. it doesn't feel maybe I feel like my initial assessment is it might not be as clever as some of the others, but it is. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot. Amazon has really put a lot into this product, and when you when you learn how to ask things, because it, it has this wide range of skills that just anybody can create, and so that means you have to trigger those skills in a with a certain syntax, and it's you know it's hey dot ask such-and-such, such, to do such-and-such. And, such. and then once you learn that syntax, it, it works perfectly. But it's not maybe super intuitive. Uh, but my you know my 7-year-old son picked it up in about 15 minutes, and then he, then he wow. was fine. So I, I think it's fascinating. It does say here in this article that the NVIDIA Shield will give you automation uh, so you can say things to the assistant like dim the lights. So I may not need to worry about getting uh, – an echo in the RV, because I've already got a shield and look at Google Assistant. But they're gonna build it into televisions. They're gonna build, they're gonna start building this thing into stuff. I don't know.
1: You know, yeah. I am pretty I'm pretty impressed with how both of these platforms have relatively open developer APIs.
0: Does the Google Assistant?
1: It does, yeah. We taught the Google Actions we talked about a couple of okay. ago. Okay, Google Actions, right? Yep. But it's like the same thing, right? It's all these Node.js style bots. Uh, running on the server of your choice on DigitalOcean.
0: I tell you, I was pretty. I was pretty like, what's the point of these things, really? Um, and now that I was
1: I, too, but I'm on board. Yeah, yeah,
0: I am too. I I really, I really enjoy having it. I'll tell you too. Like, I walk in and I tell it to turn on all of my office things because I've grouped some of these devices, and without having to put my bag down and my food down yet, I my, my all my stuff comes on. My my my. It's just really nice. It's, it's nice to have that and I, I, have a, I have a sort of a plan to sort of track these things and see how much talking they're really doing to the net when they talk and all of that. So
1: – can going wire shark that bad. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm planning to dig into this a little bit because I think this is a pretty legitimate category. They had – I guess we haven't really talked about this. They had an unbelievable holiday, the, uh, the Echo. Uh, just – I experienced it firsthand. I decided about three days before Christmas that I wanted to get my dad a dot because I know he'd been thinking about getting the the full thing, but it wasn't wasn't sold totally yet. So right. I thought, you know, fifty bucks. I think it was forty bucks actually at Best Buy. Uh, I'll get it for him for Christmas. And I proceeded to call every damn store in the Pacific Northwest that would even. I'm talking. I'm talking. Kmart, Bed Bath and Beyond, Home nice. Depot, Lowe's, Best Buy. All of them were sold out because they've been selling them in the stores now. All of them had sold out. Every store was sold out. They sold out everywhere. I went into Best Buy and I was uh, kavatsing with the guy in there. And he says, yeah, as soon as they get them in stock, they sell out immediately. They are going nuts over Christmas. So I think – I saw one report that they might have sold like six million devices or something. I think they did a banner holiday for the uh, Alexa line to cancel.
1: Yeah, and they, they were definitely a popular gift idea. Uh, in fact, my father-in-law got one. So, it, I mean, they're, they're around. I know a few people who got either an Echo or a Dot, right? More Dots. I saw a lot of yeah. Dots. Like,
0: it's a good yeah. price. And it's got a speaker built into it. It's like a laptop speaker. But with the headphone out or the fact that it can hook up over Bluetooth, it's, you can just reuse an existing speaker. That's just great. I actually uh, put a splitter on mine. So I have mine going to speakers and then I have another line going to the, to the mixer. So if I uh, – every now and then if I want to play around with Lex on the mixer, I can – I can uh, do that. I can do that. So, hey, one other thing just before we go, just to, just to sort of officially bookend oh, our – Oh, oh,
1: yeah. oh I, have, I have two other things.
0: Oh, you do? Oh, okay. But I have first. like a bookender for our, 20, our first 2017 episode. So you do your other things before I do the bookender. Okay.
1: Let me do it. <laughs> so, Chris, I'm, I got rid of the office.
0: What, what? What? What do you mean?
1: I'm back at home.
0: So you have people, you have people working
1: with you at home? Uh, one guy and everybody else is remote.
0: That uh, was a big move
1: big move. I I did it on Christmas day. No Uh, way. The email terminating the lease. Yep.
0: No way. So did something push you over?
1: Uh, yeah, in fact it did. Uh, so there has been a water issue at the building I was in and it just smells mildewy. I was thinking (laughs) I'm spending like, you know, I think it was like 1500 bucks a month or all in right with all the crap you have to have for an office. And I just don't need that. Yeah. Like it was getting ridiculous. Uh, and it's a fixed cost every month. And, you know, a lot of my competitors just don't have that cost, right? Yeah. I mean. Yep. And are you are you sitting down?
0: Uh, I just reset just to be double sitting.
1: I bought a Surface Studio. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: What? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm, not,
1: I don't, I'm not giving Satya $3,000. But? Uh, but I'm dual booting the lemur. <laughs> you did do and. the Windows 10 experiment, didn't you? I did.
0: How's it going? How's it going?
1: Well, it's going okay. Okay. Now let me tell you why I'm dual dual booting it. I went into a project as an Android developer, and somehow I'm developing a universal Windows app right now. For the next three months, I'm living in Visual Studio.
0: Oh, man. That just came just like... Out
1: of nowhere. Boom. Out of nowhere. It was like a random thing. And uh, let me tell you something. Uh Civilization 6 has never been better.
0: Oh yeah, I know. Every now and then when I've had to install Windows for something like, all oh, right, well I'll install
1: Steam just for a minute. <laughs> yeah,
0: just for a
1: minute but my my daily driver is still the uh, Ubuntu 1610. Yeah. Only when I'm working on this project, which is most of the time right now. Well am I on Windows partition.
0: To be fair, my, my sin is uh my daily driver is uh Arch Linux on the MacBook Pro 2013. But I do boot into Final Cut OS about once a day for, for a few hours of work.
1: At least once a yeah, day. Yeah, I, I was hoping that UWP apps could be done in a Project Rider from JetBrains. Dude. But apparently not yet is the answer I got. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. Yeah. Well, because really they're just C Sharp and XAML apps, right? I mean, that's all they are. But.
0: I wonder what the development <laughs> environment will be when Microsoft launches their Home Assistant. I wonder how that's going to work.
1: It's going to be the bot framework. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Why not?
0: Yeah, that would make the most sense. It better be, really. <laughs> Otherwise, what the hell does a Bob lot framework Uh All right. Are you ready for my bookender? Bookend it. Wow. By the way, congrats on the move. I think that's a good move. I think that's a good call.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about it more next week, but I, I think it's just the way of the future.
0: Yeah, I've. You know, we have the studio here for what we do. It is It is so nice to have uh, static equipment set up and ready to record with sound insulation and good power and all those things which are just you know, gigabit networking and all these things which are just so essential for what we do. But I, every now and then I fantasize about packing it all up somewhere and just doing all of the shows from the road on the RV. And we've gotten close, although not quite, to being able to quote-unquote cloudify our entire production pipeline with just a few little bits. So it's – yeah, even for something like we do, which is in the past, having a physical studio has been fundamentally uh, important. Uh, things change. Things change. Things
1: change. All we, right.
0: According oh yeah. go ahead. No, kill it. Go ahead. According to Apple, they've shattered everyone's records. Well, their own records for New Year's Day. Two hundred and forty million in customer purchases makes January first, twenty seventeen the Apple store's busiest day, and app developers earned twenty billion in twenty sixteen, up forty percent. From 2015. Of course, those developers are all like uh, (laughs) those people that sit at the top of the charts milking you uh, for everything you do, like Clash Royale. Uh, Pokemon
1: Go. My wife's good for about $15 to $20 a week.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I would love to see
1: the the median distribution. That would be. Can you guess what
0: the number one download app was on Christmas and New Year's Day? Mario. Yeah, it was Super Mario Run. Yeah. Super Mario Run. I've been playing the it's hell out of it.
1: I've been playing the hell out of it too,
0: yeah. My, my uh, girlfriend, uh, he seems to delight in going through the world levels and beating my high scores at all of them, and then I have to go back and replay them. So that's it's actually turned yeah. out – the the casual competition that you can create by, by seeing each other's scores or by doing the rally is just fun enough that when you have three or four of you playing, it's, it's actually pretty addictive. Uh, and it actually pretty, does – it it's actually. a good,
1: like, waiting room, lobby, bathroom sort of game.
0: Yeah, exa- Yeah, and it also scratches the nostalgia itch a little bit. So a little bit. The top subscription apps were Netflix, HBO, and uh, Tinder. Oh, also MLB. Oh. That.
1: <laughs> so, Chris, are we going to swipe left? Is that – wait, which one is left? I, hang on.
0: Is that how we end the show now? Is we swipe left? Is that –
1: uh swipe I think it's left. more of a – thing we're thinking of oh
0: all right well i'll say one last thing in 2017 while we're just talking about these types of devices just in this category i'm i'm curious to see where uh, samsung goes if we'll ever see another note again
1: well oh, for the love of god i hope not but there's the uh samsung chromebook pro does look interesting we didn't talk about it today it's there have you seen this no
0: is this a ces it, thing
1: it, yes it is it i don't have the details yet but i'm actually going to try to find out it seems like it, remember that uh what was it Chrome Dramata or Android Dramata thing where it was going to be like Android Chrome hybrid devices. This yes. appears like it might be that it's Chrome that with, scares it, it me. It runs native. It runs Android apps natively, and I don't think what I read is that it is not the like virtualized Android apps that you could do on a Chromebook. It's more like Android apps natively. Hmm. I know that sounds stupid. Hmm. But it has a pencil, like it is literally like an iPad Pro, or or visually more like a Surface uh, Surface Pro.
0: And for the uh, for the double bookender, uh, Amazon says today that the Alexa now has uh, seven thousand skills, up from three thousand in September, and five point four uh, thousand in December. So two two thousand. Very-
1: that's a lot. Very but, special set of skills.
0: That's a lot. Of, <laughs> she has a lot of very special set of skills. All right, Mr. Dominic. Uh, All right, Chris. Where should people find you when you're uh, laying in bed, coughing and tweeting and whatnot throughout the
1: week? Uh, likely Jersey Shore Hospital. No, no or no. Uh, DominicM.com or <laughs> Buccaneer.io.
0: Oh, you can find me at ChrisLAS. If you're curious about the uh, Echo Dot setup we have here, go to YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. I might also have video there. A little behind the scenes from today's Coder Radio and uh, Snap 300 this week, which is a big episode. Also, love to have you join us live next week. We'll probably be back on our regular Monday time slot, but you can always find out when we're going to be live at jupiterbroadcasting.com. you join us at jblive.tv. And last but not least, please visit com. give us some feedback, and submit some links for the show. Thanks for joining us. See you right back here next week.